Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, coming to you on the 28th of August, 2023, episode 483. Today we're just going to talk a little bit about marching on, right? With the, the, the goals are in mind, we need to just keep moving, right? March on. Okay, before we get in there, let me remind you the best way you can help me is to like, share, subscribe, and follow this here podcast. You can visit me over on the uh, Facebook stuff. I've got a page and a group over there uh, closing in on 100 uh, followers. That'd be kind of nice if I could get a few more over there. And, you know, hey, but I've only got four listeners, so what should I expect? In any case, um, look, and if you're feeling particularly motivated, you can do me a solid. Go rate and review this program. And for as long as I can get away with it, I will still be at YouTube. All right. Uh, well, let's see the direction. We're going to talk about the direction. I'm, I'm not feeling overly enthusiastic about the direction we're going. Um, I know some people have some very strong feelings about, uh, this next election cycle. Uh, they think that it's going to make a difference. They think that we have actual, options. Uh, I'm not sure about that. You know, I, I might be the first guy to say I'm very enthusiastic about Ron DeSantis as a governor in Florida. And yes, I realize this is national, but it has a direct implication to the state of Texas. So bear with me here. You can like Ron DeSantis as governor, but I got to be honest, I'm not sure he's the right guy to be the president. Now, maybe he's VP, maybe he shows up later as president. Don't know. I'm not going to write him off. But he just doesn't seem to have it. I mean, I want my presidential candidate to have a little oomph. And quite frankly, uh, Ron is seeming more like our own Governor Abbott here than he is the Donald. Now, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping he gets a second wind. I'm hoping he shows the rest of the country where his stuff's at because I think the guy's got a lot of potential. I just think that he allowed himself to be partnered up with a number of people that really don't care for him or don't have his best interests and certainly don't have our country's best interests at heart. They just saw him as an option to taking out Trump. Now, I had talked about a couple of weeks ago how uh, I had hopes for Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, I got it right close enough. You know who I'm talking about. And I still think he has something. Not sure if it's real. Uh, I'm not sure that I want to get 100% on board. I'm not. But he just seems like he's got something. He's got that X factor. It's it's interesting and it's exciting. Shades of Ron Paul, right? Somebody that said no. Somebody that pushed back. Somebody that didn't just go along to get along. That That's, if nothing else, if you're going to be watching the, the B team at a debate, he was the guy to watch, in my humble opinion. And... Full disclosure, I've only seen a couple of highlights of the debate. I really had zero interest in sitting through that. Why? Because the Donald wasn't there. And and again, why should he be? I mean, he's essentially an incumbent without being an incumbent. And everybody else is playing for second place. Maybe they're looking to have an appointment somewhere if they don't get to be the VP. But I doubt we're going to allow ourselves to be penced again. I don't think anybody wants to uh, go with the uh, <laughs> creature from uh, New Jersey. But look, these are our options. 
It's slim pickings. It's sad, but that's what we've got. The Republican Party can't do any better. At a national level, out of the hundreds of millions of people in this country, that was the best we could come up with. Now, granted, it's going to take a lot of money to run. And you still have to contend with the Donald. And, well, then, of course, there's the sitting resident, Biden. Real or not real, or Obama part three, who knows, who cares? But the direction is clear. They're running us into the ground. They're they're taking away that which was made America great, if you will, and turning it on its head. And yet, I imagine there are still 70 million people that are quite content with where we're going. They're quite content with the outcome. They're either not paying attention, or they just don't care, or quite frankly, they crave socialism. And we have nobody to blame for that but ourselves. We have multiple generations that went to government education and grew up wanting to replace God with government. They made government their God. And why should we be surprised if this is what they want? We have nobody to blame but ourselves. This brings me on to the third D here, right? Destination. What is the destination? Well, depending on who you talk to, it could be desolation, (laughs) destruction, or perhaps just despair. I would suggest to you that socialism everywhere it's been tried has not worked. Now, when I say socialism, I'm not talking about the partial quasi um, semi-socialist regimes of Northern Europe that are in large part subsidized by these United States. You ever wonder why Sweden, Norway, and Denmark, for that matter, could get away with subsidizing all the people that live there? Well, yeah, they had great business stuff that started after World War II. They had this, this head start, but their entire existence was subsidized by you and I. And the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, we allowed them to do that to themselves. We hollowed them out militarily. They, they are sitting ducks the moment the United States is shown to be a paper tiger. And you ought to be very worried about it because, hey, in case you don't believe me, we've had mm, closing in on 15 years of the hollowing out and destructive policies in place. Oh, yeah, yeah, you still got a lot of aircraft carriers, but the problem is we don't have anybody that can run them. You've got lots of Marines, but are they really Marines if they can't do Marine stuff? I I mean, in the Air Force, they're more worried about political correctness and uh, gender studies than they are fighting and designing good bomber uh, routes and... uh, air-to-air combat, right? And look, this isn't my thing. I'm not going to pretend to be any kind of military genius, but you look at this stuff and you just wonder, what in the world were they thinking? When you let politics dictate the outcome of military doctrine, you're going to fail. It's inevitable. We watched the Soviets flounder through that when they faced off against the Nazis. But then the Nazis did the same thing. They let their politics dictate their military actions, and they ended up losing only because they were severely outmatched, outproduced, and outpopulated. Now, I'm not suggesting that was a bad outcome. No, no, no. Uh, The Soviets and the Nazis are equally bad and I'm grateful that both are on the scrap heap of history in a sense. 
But it should be no surprise to anybody. I mean, RFK Jr., he's talking about Operation Mockingbird still exists. How many of you even know what that is? How many of you always wondered why it is that all the media sounds the same, looks the same, does the same things? He seems to have the answer. And he's a Democrat, a leftist Democrat. Okay, progressive. No, just let's call him an old school Democrat. Now he's a little mm, over the top on this environmental stuff. But other than that, he's, he's basically a Democrat from the 80s or the 90s, right? I mean, and he seems to be a rational, reasonable guy on all things except for two or three issues. It's fair to listen to him. I mean, he probably knows about more about this stuff than the average person. Why wouldn't he? He had a dad and an uncle that were also high up in the uh, food chain there till they were off. Hey, but don't worry. Resident Biden hasn't determined that he is worthy of Secret Service protection. When anybody running for president other than the Donald that ought to rate that would be him. And keep in mind, I don't support the guy. I, I'm sure you'd be an interesting guy to have dinner with at some point if you know I was a billionaire and I could pay for his time. But uh, zero interest in what he wants to do for the most part. But honestly, most of these guys, they think that this is a command economy and they can just determine the direction. But at this point in time, they may not be wrong. After 100 years of government education and manipulation and dictation on how you should think and what you should think, are they wrong? I mean, look at your own children or your grandchildren. Are they able to think for themselves? Do they question what they're seeing? That's on us. We should have taught our children that. And as a personal side here, I think I did a pretty good job. Both my daughters do question the narrative. They do question what's going on. Uh, One is to the point where she's making her own decisions. And I'm very grateful for that. Don't always like the decisions, but she's there. She's doing it. And the other one's not far behind. I mean, I like the fact that they occasionally, at this point in time, quite rarely, check in with the old man and see what I think or what I know. But I wanted them to be able to do that on their own. I didn't want them to be dependent on me or anybody. They need to be able to understand what's going on and make the decisions and what's what. You may remember, I've talked about the idea where almost everything that happens is about control. They want to treat us like sheep. They want to treat us like cattle. They want to hurt us in much the same way. And they want to shear us in much the same way or milk. If you prefer I'm not excited about either of those prospects. The idea that it's better to die free than live as a slave. Yeah, sounds good until you have to actually go through with it. I don't know that I'm there yet, but I got to say. At what point do we wake up and realize the slavery that we live in? Oh, I know that's not politically correct. I, I know that's maybe a little hyperbolic, but the reality is. That's the world we live in. We get very little control over what we do, what we say. And those that are in control, they see us as their property, as useless eaters. They want us to go away. And again, this has to do about the destination. The destination, the goals that they have for us is that we go away. Again, how does that matter? What are we doing? We're in Texas. Texas is supposed to be special. Texas is supposed to be above the cut. And everybody knows it. And that's why they're flooding us with people that don't think like Texans, don't behave like Texans, and quite frankly, aren't even Tejanos. They want to be told what to do. They like being subservient. They like being dependent. That's the people they're sending to us right now. 
I'm not good with that. And I don't care if they're coming from California, New York, or south of the border. They're diluting what made Texas special. And they're doing it on purpose. That's the destination. Subservience. And if you can't look around the state of Texas and see exactly what's playing out, I would suggest to you, you have to take off those blinders. You have to pay attention. There's not a simple fix. There, there, there is a number of things you can do to fight back or push back. And that brings us to the third D, directives. What, what are the directives? Well, one, take care of your family. Find a way to take care of your family. Now that looks different for every person, right? I mean, I've been making peace with the idea that I will never, ever be able to retire. I'm never, ever going to be able to not work. Now, whether that's just the curse of being Gen X or that's just the way the world works, don't know, don't care. But I made peace with that a long time ago. But but I'd like to get out of the rat race. I, I'd like to not have to work 50 hours a week, every week. Uh, you know, everybody would like that. Is it doable? Don't know. Got to keep trying, kind of kept looking for a way. I wanted my children to do better than I did, but with the current situation, I don't see how that's going to play out. Now, was it by design? Maybe. By definition, somebody must be pulling the lever somewhere, but the directive is fight your own battles first, right? Get, get yourself straight, get your family straight. And yes, I know that has more than one meeting. Calm down. When you got that done, then, then if your, if your directive is, is how can we protect ourselves? How can we make things better? Well, you got to start with your own local community. So for instance, if you got a friend or an acquaintance that owns or runs a business or owns a building, you need to be working with them right now. Encourage them. Hey, you know, they're going to maybe try this uh, lockdown thing again. They're going to, they're going to maybe roll out another version of the pandemic. Are you prepared? Are you going to be willing to stay open even though they tell you not to? Are you going to be willing to say, yeah, not this time. We're out. We're, we're going to continue to do business as usual. Are you going to be willing to push back? Are you going to be willing to take a stand? And if you do, you need to know there's going to be hundreds of us that are going to back you up. There's going to be hundreds of us that are excited and happy you're going to do that. Some of these business leaders before they're willing to take the risk, they got to know we have their back. The same could be said for your local churches, right? I don't know about you, but my church shut down for far longer than I thought it needed to. Are you talking to your pastors, your elders? Are you telling them, hey, we can't do this again? We're, we're doing damage to the body. We're setting a bad example to those around us. We, we talk about walking in faith, but yet we shut down the fear. We need to be willing to step out and do these things. We need to be an example. That's a directive. Be an example to others around you. So you've got your stuff together, right? You're, you're on the straight, if you will, the straight and narrow, and you've encouraged those that are closest to you, whether it's a business or a church. Now what? You got to work together. You got to network. I'm blessed. I know people in several other counties and I'm blessed that they talk to me and they respect me and it goes both ways. And, and we want to see 
more liberty. They want to protect individual rights. We're on the same team. Now, I got to be honest, some of these people are pretty much done with calling themselves Republicans. At this point, I'm kind of finding it hard to find fault in that. But I'm not there yet. I'm not going to abandon the party because, quite frankly, I've come too far. I've got too much done. And until such time that it's no longer defensible, I'm here. I'm going to hold the line. Some things can be held and some things can be held at great, great cost. And maybe you need to abandon them before you have that great cost because what good does it do if there's nothing left? Don't know. You have to make that decision for yourself. The directive is you have to decide what political cost are you willing to bear? What economic cost are you willing to bear? What social cost are you willing to bear? If you don't know, you need to find out. You need to find out sooner rather than later because it's coming. Now, you can poo-poo it and you can say, not really. And you can say that maybe I'm stepping off or I'm going a little woo-woo on you. Okay, uh, maybe. Maybe you're right and I'm wrong. But are you, have you not been paying attention? Are you not seeing what I'm seeing? I mean, don't believe your lying eyes. That's what they say. Trust us. We know what we're doing. Trust the experts. Science is never wrong, except for when they can't tell a male from a female. Science is never wrong, except for then they talk about global warming when it doesn't really exist unless it's coming from the form of the sun putting out more. Yeah, you know, they literally make stuff up. And that's one of my favorite things to talk about, right? Who paid for that study? How much did they pay for it? How was the study done? Is it reproducible? I mean, these are all basic things that we were taught in science. I mean, back in middle school and high school, that's one of the things that you're supposed to get from science. When you do experiments, they have to be duplicatable or they're not relevant. It's a theorem. And because it's a theorem doesn't mean that it has any weight and it shouldn't dictate how things are done until it can be proven. Let me ask you, are you willing to give up your car? Are you willing to give up eating meat? Are you willing to give up your house, your air conditioning, your gas stove? Are you willing to give all that up? Because that's what they want. The directive is, is you need to know now. You need to know what you're willing to do, what you're going to say no to. That's just not my directive. That's a directive in life. You've got to know what you're willing to stand for. And if you don't know, you need to figure it out. You need to figure it out now before it becomes too late. I often hear stories or commentaries from young people. Well, if I would have been around in Nazi Germany, I would have stood apart. I would have stood up for the Jewish people. I would have protected the Poles. I would have not, you know, gone against the gypsies or better yet. If I would have been around in the Civil War era or pre-Civil War, I would have been an abolitionist. I would have stood and said, all men are created equal. How dare you? It's like, really? Really? These are the same people, by and large, that went around with a mask in their own car when there was nobody else there. These are the same people 
that have been impaled multiple times in their arm to protect themselves from something that their immune system ought to be able to handle. I don't believe it. I think they're frauds. But you need to test yourself. What are you willing to say no to? What costs are you willing to bear? You know, I remember when I was a young kid. Watched a movie. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it at the moment. It'll come to me while I'm talking, I'm sure. Um, had to do with, you know, post-rapture world. God came back as people were taken up and there's people left behind and no, it wasn't left behind. But the idea was there's, there's the people and they're dealing with the world they're stuck in. And there are some Christians left and it comes down to, you can deny your faith. You can take the mark and you can live in quote unquote peace. In other words, they won't torment you. But if you deny it, if you don't take the mark, then, well, we're going to take your head off, right? So when you watch it as a little kid and look, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm working on remembering that. You know what? I'm going to just pause this. I'll be right back. Yep. I, I imagine the movie I'm thinking about is a thief in the night. 1973. Wow. I think I saw it when I was like seven or eight years old. I'm not even sure if my parents were where I watched it, but it's scary, right? And you're left in this world where there's a cost and the cost is direct. And it, and it's a cost that is your life. Now, something short of that could be more miserable, right? I mean, if you're going to lose your head, that's over with quickly, especially if you're at peace with God. But if you're not, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty there. A lot of people will do anything to stay alive. But at what cost? Is it better to be a slave and alive or is it better to be free and dead? You need to know that now. You need to know what you think about that. You need to know whether or not you're willing to do that or whether or not your family is going to follow. You can't make decisions for other adults, but you can train up your child, right? You, you can teach them that some things are worth dying for. I mean, after all, we wouldn't be here right here, right now in Texas, if people before us didn't think there were things worth dying for. It's been like that through millennia. You have to make the decision. So the directive, you have to define what it's worth defending what cost you're willing to bear, what cross you're willing to carry. Now, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a downer. I, I get it. I get it. But we're marching on, right? Most of us believe that are Christians, that the ultimate victory is in Christ, that he's going to come back and he's going to reign. And we're going to be there. Now, there's some different theologies and different versions of how that all plays out. Okay. But by and large, we accept that's going to happen. So what happens now in this temporary life? We get to determine when we want to tap out. We get to determine when enough is enough. We have to give it some thought and put some energy into it. 
Now, if you're not a Christian, you've listened this far, kudos to you. But you have to also determine what part of this is also directly applicable to you. Maybe you don't have that assurance. Maybe you don't know. And that's okay. Maybe this little seed will grow. Maybe maybe you'll reject it. Maybe you'll quit following. I, I can't change that. But I'm here. I'm going to defend your liberty to do that. Just that. I'm here and I'm going to continue to do the best I can to get the word out that we can stand and we can make a difference right here where we're at in our lives every day. Whether it's in McKinney, Texas, or whether it's down the street in Dallas, or whether it's down in Austin where you're running the state, every day we make a difference. We make the decisions. There are always costs. Nothing's free. And even if you think it's free, usually somebody else has already paid the cost. And I would, I would implore you to keep that in mind. I would implore you to teach that to the next generation. And with that, this has been According to Callus. I will see you on the other side.